Hey, we're glad that you're here today, and again, I want to welcome those of you watching online. A couple of months ago, um, I was working out, and, and I was curling, um, curling weight with my left arm, when all of a sudden, my left shoulder just got this dull ache in it. It, it just felt really weird, and it literally felt like my arm that it was at 100%. I, I think I must have been curling like maybe 300 pounds or something. I can't remember for sure. Actually, probably closer to about 20 pounds. It wasn't, it wasn't even that much. And all of a sudden, my shoulders went poof. And I thought, man, that's really weird. And literally, it was like it was operating at 100% and suddenly dropped down to about 75%. And I thought, man, that's, that's really weird. Well, it kind of bothered me off and on for a period of time and would, would hurt a little bit, but wasn't really that bad. And then at the end of December, if you guys remember, we had an a ice storm come across the panhandle. And I was stepping out of uh, my vehicle, and when I stepped out of my vehicle, I lost my footing, and I fell down, and I fell down on that arm that the shoulder was on. And of course, my first concern was, did anybody see that? Right? Whenever you fall, you do something like that, you look around going, okay, did anybody see that? I'm like, real cool about this, and I meant to do that, you know, kind of a deal. And then my next concern was, oh my goodness, my shoulder just felt like it literally exploded. So I set up an appointment with the doctor, went in to see the doctor, and he started doing some different resistance tests. And, and he said, well, I think you've kind of torn um, your, your um, rotator cuff. And I said, okay. He said, what do we need to do? I said, what do we need to do? He said, come back. We'll do an MRI and check it out. So we got in the MRI. Y'all ever done an MRI? Man, it's like you, you, you're like the meat in a taco, man, when you get in that thing. <laughs> Seriously, you're, you're sitting in there, and you've got to sit still for 30 minutes. You know, I think at some level, we all have a little bit of attention deficit disorder, you know, and so to sit still and not move for 30 minutes seems like an eternity. So anyway, I'm sitting there, laying there, finally get the MRI done and come back a few days later, and the, and the doctor sits me down and says, so I asked him, I said, so how bad is it? And he says, well, you've severely torn your rotator cuff and you've actually torn part of your bicep. And so we're going to have to have surgery and it's, you're going to have to kind of go through a process of getting some stuff done. And then he began to tell Pam and I, because I, I took Pam with me because how many of you know if your doctor's going to talk to you, it's smart to take your wife with you? Because if you don't, she's going to ask you what happened. I'm going to say, it went good. And she's going to go, all right, what's that mean? And I, I would not be able to answer it. So, so he's sitting there explaining to us that this happens to people quite a bit. People fall and they hurt themselves and they somewhat tear, stretch, or hurt the rotator cuff. And, and most people won't do anything about it. They'll just kind of live with it and they'll kind of walk around, hey, how's it going? Great to see you. You know, flinging their arm around until it becomes so painful that they can't stand it anymore. And once that happens, they'll actually come in and, and get the surgery done. And, and I was thinking about that, and I was thinking, you know, while the surgery is not going to be fun and there's going to be a rehab process, it really is a fairly simple surgery that can reset something that's out of whack. It's pretty, pretty amazing. But you know what happens is we are afraid of the unknown. You know, one of the things I know about me is I know there are things that I know. I know things that I know. I know my wife is awesome. I know when I say that in a service, it helps me out. So there's some things that I know. There's some things that I, I know that I don't know. If, if you ask me a lot of questions about science, I mean, you're, seriously, I'm gone. I, it's just one of those things that's not, doesn't click with me, science. But there's also some things that I don't know that I don't know. Those are blind spots in our life. 
And we all have blind spots in our life. And there have been some things in our life that have happened to us that need to be reset. That we can see it in other people, but sometimes we can't see it in ourselves. So we all have these issues. So we continued talking with the doctor and the doctor began to explain to me about the surgery and, and what was going to kind of take place in the rehab part of it. And I'm, I'm, I'm a person that's been fairly healthy all my life. I had a knee ACL that I tore up once, but other than that, I've been pretty healthy. And so he, he begins talking to us about the fact that there was going to be a, a surgery. It would be a day surgery. I'd be able to get out. Um, and then for six weeks, I'd have to leave my arm up on a pillow. Now, he continued to explain some things, but I'm telling you, I did not hear a word he was saying because the last thing that I heard him say was for six weeks, my arm was going to have to be up on a pillow. And so all I kept thinking was six weeks, I'm going to be in bed. I finally stopped him. I said, doctor, doctor, wait a second. I can't spend six weeks with my arm on a pillow. I can't spend six weeks in bed. I'm sorry, I'm just way too busy. We're going to have to figure something else out. And he he kind of stopped talking and, and both he and my wife looked at me like, are you crazy? Were you not listening to what I said? And what he was talking about was the pillow that we're, they were talking about was the brace that would hold my arm up like this. And for six weeks, I was going to have to have my arm on a pillow like this, this brace that would hold my arm like this. And, but all I could hear was for six weeks, I was going to have to be in bed. And seriously, I'm a man of reasonable intelligence, all right? I, y'all laughing at that, and I'm not sure why you're laughing. If it's the reasonable or the intelligent part of it. But I could not fathom what they were saying. All I kept thinking was, I'm going to have to be bedridden. And, and my wife was laughing at me. She said, it was so funny to see your face because I could tell it was not registering what I was saying, what the doctor was saying, because all I was thinking is I'm going to have to be in bed for six weeks. Has that ever happened to you? Happens to us a lot. In fact, one of the, the ways that I see it happen most of the time is that someone says something to you and you think you heard something else. And even though they say, no, that's not what I said, you can't get past what you thought you heard. In fact, I watch couples, they'll have fights for days over things that they'll go, no, you said that. No, that's not what I said. No, no, you said that. We get this mindset and we can't get it unstuck. We, we need a reset in our mind. We need, to, we need to recognize that we all deal with that. We have these issues that pop up in our minds and we get this picture in the, in the, in the hardware or software of our mind and we can't move past what it is we think we heard or what we thought we understood. So we need to reset. And for today's application, whenever you're in a service and you begin to hear words like, giving. Some of you, the moment you hear the word giving, you can't hear anything else. You, you walk away and all, in fact, this is where this comes from. Some people walk away and go, all that church ever talks about was giving. And the reason is they heard the word giving and all they thought was, all the, the, they're going to they're gonna take my money. They're, they're after my money. They, they want something. We get these fearful things and these wrong expectations about what is actually being said. Sometimes it's with the words like prosperity. Now, if you were raised the way that I was, that is a curse word in church. To think that we're, we could be blessed by God. Oh, no. God's all about keeping us all humble. God's about keeping us just living from moment to moment where, where we're just kind of barely believing God for stuff. That God wants to bless you. We sometimes get stuck in our minds and we can't move past what it is that God is really wanting to say for us. 
And a lot of times we get stuck and we are convinced that we're right when sometimes, honestly, we're wrong. We don't fully understand what it is that's being said. It's one of the reasons why we've been asking you to allow us to pastor you at this church. That doesn't happen a lot of times in church because I recognize there are some of you that I pastor. I can tell you're the people that laugh at my jokes. I'm watching, see who's the pastor right here. You, you smile, you're leaning in, you're nodding in agreement. And some of you, I don't pastor and it's okay. I, I'm hoping that you'll move towards allowing me to pastor you. But you're always resistant to the word that is being spoken to you. And what ends up happening is the walls that we actually put up keep us from allowing God to reset our hearts and lives to understand some things that he really wants us to understand. A couple of weeks ago when we, we, I began this series, I was talking about the first little laptop computer that I ever had. And w- wouldn't it be weird if, if we got transported back, you know, how many years that ago that was that we had those computers? And you, you remember how slow they were? We would be some of the angriest people in the world because we're so spoiled by how fast our computers are now. But one of the things about it is it would freeze from time to time. And, and it would get stuck and you'd have to do a hard reset. And, and sometimes in our lives we can do a soft reboot. Somebody can just say, hey, you probably should change that attitude. And we're like, oh, hey, man, you're right. That's exactly right. I need, I need to change that attitude. Other times, we need a hard root reboot. We need, we need some drastic things to happen in our life. We need some people to get in our face and in our grill that really love us and say, hey, your behavior is not helping you out. Your behavior is damaging your marriage. Your behavior is affecting your relationship with people that you work with. So sometimes we need that hard reboot. But listen, even if we don't have a picture in our mind that is, that is frozen, we all still need a reset from time to time. Because even with your new phone and your new computer, there's, there's updates that are happening all the time. In, in fact, the latest iOS update that just came out was the 12.1.2. Had, had to write it down so I'd remember it. Because some of you, your phone still is at 9.6. All right, and you are several updates behind. All right, but the update was for this. Check this out. It was to add features and fix bugs. The manufacturer is just not trying to be mean to you. They're they're not trying to say let me let me make them do another update. Now I don't have a lot of faith in phone companies or people that manufacture phones. But listen, with God, when God wants to do an update in my life, and there's some features that He wants to add into my life or some bugs that he wants to fix, I want to lean in and hear what he has to say. I want to, I want to press in like that, that song we were just singing. All I want is to be in your presence. All I want is to know you more. And leaning into him and understanding the things that God wants us to say. So I think God is always wanting us to get the latest update. And, and just so you know, every week you can get a new update. Every, every week, God wants to say something fresh to you. He wants to speak to you exactly right where you're at, you're at. But he also wants to fix some bugs in our life. Because again, our bugs are not as obvious always to us as they are to other people. And God wants to fix some bugs in our life. And so Proverbs chapter 4, a verse that we looked at a couple of weeks ago, I want to look at again. It says this, that you and I are to do this. We are to ponder. That means again, to weigh mentally. To consider the path of your feet. You know, there are a lot of people that walk through life and they're just totally oblivious to their actions, their behaviors, anything that they're doing. But the word of God is telling us to ponder the path of your feet. Why? Then 
all your ways will be sure. In fact, one translation says that all your ways will be established. Listen, God wants your ways to be established. Let me say that again. God wants your ways to be established. He wants Christians, when, when people look at his children, he wants people to say, I want what they've got. They're established in their marriage. They're established in their relationship. They're established in their finances. They're established in their emotional health. So we've got to consider or ponder the path of our feet. Listen, that's why I want to ask you to continually start developing the habit of continually pondering the path of your feet. To know where the path is and know if your feet are actually on the path. Because sometimes we know about the path and we assume because we know about it that we're actually on it. But we need to make sure that we're actually on the path of life. Is this making sense? So where do we find the path of life? It's found in the word of God. And especially for us, it's found in the new covenant that was the fulfillment of the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Listen, I want want to show you something real quick today. The devil doesn't want you to understand anything from God's word. Guys, can you throw that up there? The devil doesn't want you to understand anything from God's word. In fact, one of the things he'll tell you is that sometimes when you're hearing a new revelation and you're not fully understanding it, he'll start to tell you, well, you're you're just not going to be able to get that. Don't don't even lean into that. Don't don't take that home. Don't write that down. Don't study that because, listen, that's just not going to work for you. So the devil doesn't want you to understand anything from God's word. But if you go on, but if you do understand, he's hoping that you won't care. You know what Christianity, a lot of people think is? It's for what I do on Sundays. My Christianity is I'm going to dress a little bit nicer. I'm going to be a little bit kinder that day. And I'm going to go to church to kind of fulfill some responsibility. That's not what God's plan is for you. He wants you to understand that his word, he wants his word operating in your life on a daily basis. That his word and his, the life of a Christian applies outside of these four walls actually more than inside these four walls. So even if you do understand the word of God, he's hoping that you won't care. And if you do care, watch this, he's hoping that you won't do anything about it. How often do we come in Sunday after Sunday? We hear the word, we're not taking notes, we're not leaning in, we're not trying to learn things. And so we don't do anything about it. We, we teach on learning how to be more loving or teach on how to understand the promises and the purpose of God. That God's got an amazing plan for your life, but we don't do anything to lean in to understand the amazing plan he has for our life. Are y'all hearing me today? Fourth one is this. Even if you do something about it, he wants you to believe that it won't last. How does he do that? Because you're going to miss the mark in some things that you're learning. You're, you're going to be imperfect in some things. You're going you're to mess up from time to time. And what the enemy will come in immediately going, look, that didn't really work. I, I know that you already repented to your wife and said you weren't going to say that again. But there you're saying it again. It's just not going to work for you. And it's a lie from the enemy because in our lives as followers of Jesus Christ, it's not about perfection. It's about course correction. Non-stop course correction we're making in our lives. So we got to understand the lies of the enemy today. Listen, while I was away, I was thinking about this issue of reset, and I was thinking, who really needs to be reset? I mean, what really needs to be reset in our lives? And I recognize in our lives that all of us need some reset uh, in some areas of our life. And so I began thinking about this, this kind of slogan, this, you might need a reset if, and then you kind of fill in the blanks. Now, I know immediately with some of you are thinking, this sounds a lot like Jeff Foxworthy, and you might be a redneck if, right? 
You might be a redneck if you mow your grass and you discover a car. Right? You might be a redneck if your wife tells you to take out the transmission so she can take a bath. You might be a redneck if you finance a tattoo. All right? All right. So... These are not near as funny as that, but when Pam and I were traveling from Dallas to Oklahoma City this last week, we wrote down some things, and so the things that are nice and enjoyable, I, I did those, the other ones are from Pam, all right? So let me, let me show you, let me read these off, because there's probably a lot of things in our life that we could all fill in our own life, you might need a reset if, all right, but let me read these to you. You might need a reset if you miss church more than you make it. How? Right from the get-go, Right? You might need a reset if this section on reset really starts to tweak you. You might need a reset if when someone talks about being generous or giving, you start to tighten up. You might need a reset if you always think that the problem is with your spouse. (laughs) Whoa! You might need a reset if you still have bitterness and unforgiveness towards someone. You might need a reset if the only time you get offended with people is when they open their mouth. You might need a reset if you consistently struggle with fear, worry, depression, anxiety, and unbelief. You might need a reset if you think everyone on the road is a moron. You might need a reset if you get offended with a person who keeps reminding you about the growth track. Woo! Got some of you there. All right. You might need a reset if you think all of your anger is justifiable. You might need a reset if you're mad at God because he blesses other imperfect people. You might need a reset if you're mad at God because of what your life looks like right now. You might need a reset if you think giving to God is loss. One final one. You might need a reset if your driving scares all the people in the car and the people on the road. And as you can tell, that one came from my wife. So I got a couple of you might need a resets that I want to talk about today. That, that might begin to spur us on to recognize all of us have some areas of our life that we need to be reset in. That we need to get some stuff fixed so that in 2020, in January, we're still not dealing with the same marriage issues that we're dealing with today. We're not dealing with the same depression, fear, and anxiety that we're dealing with today. We're not dealing with the same unforgiveness that we're dealing with today. We need a reset in our lives. So here's the one for today. You might need a reset if you think the church leadership only does things at church to help the leaders or the organization. We, we live in a society that is constantly uh, uh, bringing um, the, the laborers against management. All right, some of you know what I'm talking about because you sit around the water cooler and you're always talking about your boss and what they do and, and it's kind of a mindset and what ends up happening is it comes into the church and we begin to see the, the leaders of a church as management and everyone else just as laborers and there's this thing the enemy's trying to bring division into our lives. And so what we have to recognize is that if you think the church leadership only does things for the church or to help leaders in the organization, we need a reset. Because next week, we're bringing in Joe Sangle to talk about financial things. And, and just so you know, that's not so that you'll give more money to the church. In fact, it's, it's for you to understand budgeting. It's for you to understand how to get out of debt. It's for you to understand financial planning and different things, a variety of things. We're doing all of that for you. 
We're doing that for us because we are the church. So every one of us, me included, when I'm going to be there, I'm going to learn something from what Joe Sangle is going to share. Listen, if you don't want to take advantage of what it is that we're bringing in, that's okay. But listen, we're doing this to help you so that you can get unstuck from some financial areas of your life. Listen, there are a lot of people who have been stuck financially in the same place for a long, long, long time. Broke. Living paycheck to paycheck. Barely getting by. Listen, and if you'll start recognizing that most of them believe that it's going to be always this way because it's always been this way. If, if they would start recognizing that, look, this doesn't have to always stay this way. I don't care that my grandparents were poor. I don't care that my parents were poor. Listen, I don't have to remain poor. I can, are y'all hearing me today? Does this make sense what I'm saying? Because we get these mindsets, we get stuck on some things and we think this is the way it's always going to be. Listen, if you'll start to recognize you've got a wrong picture in your mind. You've got to, you still see yourself as poor, barely able to get by, just barely having enough. When God says he wants to give you more than enough, that God wants to bless you. And again, I say that to some of you, you can't hear another word that I say. God wants to do exceeding, the Bible says, exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or all that we can think. And we've got to have a, a mindset. So we've got to recognize the wrong pictures in our mind. Or we've got to get an update and understand there's some things that God wants to tell us. Something we were taught 20 years ago is not really working in our life anymore. There's some bugs that God wants to fix. And what we need to do is we need to open up our heart and mind. And he'll come in and he'll reset our life. So again, the, the thing that I showed you earlier about the devil. The devil doesn't want you to understand anything from the word of God. He, he, but if you do understand, he's hoping that you won't care. And if you do care, he's hoping that you won't do anything about it. And even if you won't do something about it, he wants you to think that it won't last. So what number are you stuck on? When you look up here, do you, do you not know the word of God? Or have you heard the word of God and you go, you know what, this won't work for me? Listen, this is for all of us. Everything we do here as a church is to help all of us move forward in our relationship with God so that we become the fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ that God wants us to be, that we walk in health and wholeness in every area and arena of our life. Listen, I know this is kind of one of those messages that you're kind of pulling your feet back under your chair because I might be stepping on your toes or it feels a little challenging. But I'm telling you, I don't want in 2020 again for us to be the same as we are in 2019. Still stuck, still having the same issues, still having the same problems. You know, one of the coolest things about the growth track has been people discovering their purpose and coming to me and going, man, I've finally discovered my purpose. I was having coffee with a gentleman this week and he was sharing with me how he knows that his purpose is to give. He said, man, I know that God's blessed me to give. And he goes, and I know when people are giving their lives to Christ or when things are happening around here, it's because I've been a part of that. And we are a part of it. This isn't about me and how well I can do. This is about us and what we can do. Allowing God to work through us to impact people's lives. Here's what, here's what 2 Timothy, Paul's writing to Timothy. He's, his, he's the guy, Paul is mentoring Timothy and he's telling him things about the word of God. And he says this, all scripture is God breathed, is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, 
for correction and for training in righteousness. That's what the word of God is for us. Why is that? Next verse, that the man or the woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Listen, God wants you to be equipped for every good work as, so that you can be a phenomenal husband, a phenomenal wife, a phenomenal neighbor, a phenomenal co-worker. God wants you to be f- equipped for every good work that he has for you. Here's another one that we want to look at. You might need a reset if you think God will only supply your need when you're broke or your life is falling apart. You might need a reset if you think God's only going to show up when you hit rock bottom. Listen, Philippians 4.19 says this, And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now, how many of you know that God can supply your needs? Show of hands. Okay, most of us, all right? How many of you know that God knows about your needs before you know about your needs? In other words, if you're going to have a surprise bill that happens next month, how many of you know that God already knows you're going to have a surprise bill next month, right? Okay, my, my wife and I just had a, a little gas leak outside of our house, and, and it just started out with a little bit of ga- gas leak outside, but you know, when, when the gas is in your house, I guess there's only about four ounces of pressure. I just learned all this. There's about four ounces of pressure on all the pipes, but when they pressure test it, they put it up to three and a half pounds. That's now 56 ounces of pressure. So when they did that, all, all the pipes that weren't quite all, all the way together started coming apart, and suddenly we got this huge bill. How many of you know that God has already provided for me, and if he hasn't, he's going to provide everything else that I need? Because it didn't take God by surprise. Listen, he's a God of abundance, and if there's something that he's asking us to do, when he's asking us to learn how to invest in the kingdom of God, how to be faithful with the tither, to give, to serve one another. If there's something he's asking us to do, he could provide ahead of time for us to be able to do the thing he's asking us to do. Are you all hearing that? Because for way too long, the church has had this poverty mindset of God's going to show up in my life when I get to the end of myself. And then he's going to say, okay, now I'll show up and help you. God can show up way before that. Look, look at what it says in 2 Corinthians. Again, this is the apostle Paul writing, and he says this. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Did y'all see that scripture? It's the same thing that he did for Abraham, and he tells us why he does it. In Genesis 12, it says, I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. Listen, God wants to bless you. God wants you to be blessed. Amen? But he blesses you so that you can be blessed, and so that you can be a blessing to other people. God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to enjoy life. He wants you to walk in this amazing, abundant life that he has for you. And I know that sometimes when I'm saying this, some people get nervous and they're going, you know what, people are just going to be after the things. It's true. But I don't know how to explain the goodness of God to you by acting like God's not going to give you stuff and then you just assume that God's a good God. Listen, if God's going to take care of us, he's going to take care of us and he's going to take care of us because he's a good God. God wants us to get unstuck about what we believe about his desire to bless us, to know that he's good, to know that he has a software update for some of you. Some of you, you you need a reset in your mind about God desiring to bless you. 
Listen, there are those who think that it's incredibly holy because they're just getting by. And it's selfish to actually ask God for more. But listen to this. People who believe that it's wrong to believe God for more, believing that prosperity, they believe that prosperity is basically just for them. Have you ever been in a, in a moment where you wanted to bless somebody but you couldn't? You ever been in that, that moment where you wanted to do something for someone that had a need and man, God just touched your heart and you couldn't? Listen, when, when God begins to bring abundance into your life, you're able to be blessed. People look at it and they go, wow, that's amazing what God will do in your life. But you're also able to be a blessing to other people. Listen, people believe that it's wrong to believe that because the level, listen, the level that you are blessed is the level that you're able to bless other people. And if God can get it through you, he'll get it to you. So how do we reset our life? How do we, how do we learn how to move past some things that we're stuck in? We've got to discover the promises in the word of God. We've got to discover what the Word of God says, and then we've got to believe there for us, and then we need to walk them out. We need to learn to be followers of Jesus Christ. And by the way, the issue of money is huge. Do you know why? It's the thing that will sit on the throne of our life sometimes more often than God. It's easier for us sometimes to trust ourselves with our money than to trust God with our money. Listen, do you have money or does money have you? Really is the issue. So I want to close today by giving you an idea of, of your next step of resetting your mind on this giving. And, and I think this is for everyone today, but I doubt that everyone today might want to really take hold of this. But it's for people who say, you know what? I'm stuck. I'm stuck and I'm tired of not believing in the goodness of God. I'm tired of living from day to day, barely getting by. And I want to I wanna walk in the abundant life that God has for me. And I, I need a fresh download. So I, I want to I show you this thing. It's a, a giving ladder, and I showed you a while back. And I want you to, to ask you to identify where you're at. And here's where, what I want to ask you. Wherever you're at, I want to ask you to take your next step. To say, God, you know what, I'm, I'm going to kind of walk in this. God, I want, to, I want to walk in the fullness of life that you have. But God, today I want to take my next step. And here's where it goes. It starts out here at the bottom, potential giver. If you're here today and you get a paycheck, you are a potential giver. And it's awesome the way that God has blessed us and he blesses us sometimes even when we're not faithful. In fact, the word of God says that even when we're unfaithful, he still remains faithful. So today, if you're here and, and you get a paycheck, you're a potential giver. The second thing, though, is an emerging giver. These are people that say, you know what, I've, I've, got, I've got it now. I've got it where I'm, I'm making a little bit of money. I'm going to start giving occasionally. I, I'm, I don't know how often I'm going to be able to do it, but every time I can get my wife's um, spending money, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to give it in the offering, whatever it might be, whatever it takes, right? Emerging giver. The next one is a consistent giver. That you're going to make a decision that, look, God, the, the, the fact of trying to tithe 10% totally freaks me out right now. But, God, I can do 3%. Or, God, I can do 6%. So if you're, you've been in this emerging giver for a while and you've kind of given occasionally, why not make the choice to take your next step to say, okay, I'm going to start doing a percentage. I'm going to be consistent with my giving to God. And then the next step on the ladder is a tithe giver. And we don't really give the tithe. We actually bring it back to God. 
The Bible teaches us that the tithe belongs to the Lord. And when we bring it back to him, that's when he opens up the windows of heaven and pours out so much blessing that we're hardly able to contain it. So if you've been in that place where you've been a consistent giver, maybe every week you or every month you give $100, why not think about and pray about taking your next step of learning to tithe on what it is that God's blessed you with. And finally, the, the last one is become an extravagant giver. These are people in our church, they're kingdom builders and other people that they, they tithe, but beyond the tithe, they actually give above to do all the things that are happening around here. Last week, I think they said that there were 25 people who either gave their life to Christ for the first time or made rededications to Christ. That's awesome. And when we give, that's what we're all doing. When we serve, it's what we're all doing. And so we're inviting you to figure out what is your next step? What in your life has caused you to get stuck that you need to get reset? A belief about God's promises, a belief about giving, a belief about a relationship, whatever it might be, I'm asking you today to think about it and consider taking your next step. So what is God telling you? What is God saying to you? You know, it's one of the things we say all the time when we're asking people to pray about giving is for them to ask God what God would say to them. We're not really ever asking you to give. We're just asking you to ask God what he would have you give. And so in just a moment, I'm going to pray for you wherever you're at and and that, that God would encourage you today that you'd have boldness, that you would have the courage to, some of you are going, man, I've, I've, I've done it before and I, I tried and I stopped. Listen, I would rather people keep trying and trying and trying because sometime it's going to stick. At some point it's going to stick. But I, I want to close this, with this one last thing because I want to ask, is no one moving around? If you don't mind, as, as I pray over you just a second, because here, I want to read one last, you might need a reset and it's this one. You might need a reset if you see the altar call as your opportunity to beat everyone else out of the building Instead of understanding that God is doing something in people's lives and he just might want to do something in yours too. I I know that sometimes there's emergencies and man, we definitely won't ever call you out or try to embarrass you. You know, sometimes God's dealing with someone and they're in a moment where they're maybe going to give their life to Christ or they're making a decision about something that was shared and suddenly somebody's stepping on their toes and they get disrupted and We want to just learn how to, as a church, going into this year, kind of be a little more aware that, first of all, God might be saying something to the person that we're sitting by, and that God probably wants to say something to us, too. 